we are on Hollywood Boulevard. Hey guys, how are you? We hope you're good. We were just saying on our sibling podcast, we cannot believe it's the end of April 2021. That it's already been more than a year of this. How crazy. Wild. So, hey, how about the okay. Oscars? Oscars happened just about 48 hours ago from, from this taping. Um, and it was a lot. And it wasn't great. <laughs> I, but I was happy for Nomadland. Yes, the, the film that we talked about last week was the big winner. Nomadland got picture, director, and in quite a coup, Frances McDormand, her third Best Actress Oscar, which is great. You know, I saw I saw uh, somebody commenting on a Facebook post um, on, I guess it was Monday, and it kind of got me a little riled up um, because I guess... Welcome to Twitter, too. <laughs> I know, right? Well, I mean, I didn't respond or anything because, ew. Um, but I was a little like, what the fuck? Like, they basically, like, like brushed off McDormand's, McDormand's performance as, like, LARPing. They actually called it LARPing. Yeah. And I was like, ew. Like, I, I don't know. And that, it just kind of reminded me of, I don't remember, who, who, was, who else was nominated? Because I felt like they were, like, mad about, like... They were probably mad that Viola Davis had not won again for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. But they didn't even sort of, like, put anything in there that they were mm -hmm. mad that she won and somebody else didn't, you know? And didn't yeah. Streep get another Oscar? No, she wasn't in the mix this year. She wasn't Carrie in the Mulligan mix. was the other potential contender, probably. Got it. Okay. Okay. But anyway, I was just kind of like, do people... Well, the, but I was thinking Meryl Streep because I was like, nobody complains when Meryl Streep gets Oscar number 6,721, you know? And I was kind of feeling like, why was that okay to kind of be like, oh, Frances McDormand was LARPing? Like, I kind of felt like that kind of smacked of like, you know, how we had talked about how she is so... <laughs> She she has she has she brings like this this naturalness and realness and she is mm -hmm. not vain authentic yeah. you know and she's not vain in those yeah. roles like she's not worried about do I look old do I look you know do I look my like she she do I need makeup like, like bring in the glam yeah squat, and you, you know? never catch her capital letter A acting she's yeah. never like acting so you can look at her and say like oh that's acting right right Just being and, the part. Yeah. And I and I so I don't know. I just kind of anyway, I just wanted to sort of bring that up because I was very frustrated by that. And I was sort of like, I wonder, I do kind of wonder, I do sometimes wonder if it's because she isn't like that sort of traditional beauty. She doesn't doll herself well, up. Oh, yes, that, you know? that is a part of it. And it's also because she just simply does not court fandom. Like, yeah, she's she not out there pushing herself. She doesn't tattoo her resume on herself. Like, like she gives herself to the work completely and has an immense amount of both range and depth um, with, almo with almost no peer in that regard. But she doesn't do many commercial things. And even if she does, she's not doing them to call attention to herself uh, as a major talent. It's, it's, she does it to serve the work. And yeah. we, don't know, we don't have people at large anymore, especially the ones that are vocal on social media or any sort of public platform that get that. No one really gets what what quality work is in terms of storytelling. So yes, the Oscars this year went on in a different way that was like pretty terribly mishandled um, when all was said and done. 
Um, it was a pretty, I think everyone will agree, one of the all-time worst sort of telecasts. Um, but in the end, there are, were several last end-of-evening surprises. Anthony Hopkins won Best Actor for The Father. Yeah, Oscar nice. number two for him. Francis gets Oscar number three for Nomadland. And if you were to look on mostly Twitter, I guess, but I guess other social media, you would think that, like, the crime of the century had just taken place. <laughs> and a lot of that stems from, like, well, people really wanted Chadwick Boseman to win, and, and it, it just feels insensitive, um, blah, 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 blah. A lot of it stems from the fact that in this year of racial and social unrest, that what looked like all four acting winners would be performers of color, two white performers, won the lead, won the lead statuettes. But yes, the general response is that like a, a great travesty had taken place. And look, you are welcome to your own opinion about what you like and what you think is best. But just objectively speaking, when Anthony Hopkins and Francis McDormand, two of the better performers of the century, win for two of, I consider the best performances of the year, but two of the better performances in recent memory. And all you can do is say like, this is a disgrace. This is an outrage. We need a public apology. I don't even want to hear from you. Like, I don't even, I don't even want to engage in any of it. Um, so there was that. I mean, I didn't see Hopkins. I didn't see any of the performances other than like the only, I think the only Oscar nominated film I saw was Nomadland. <laughs> probably, which you're not alone. If that, I mean, many probably saw none. Because, like, I just, you know, no, I, I which I mean, I feel bad about because I do want to see Sound of Metal. Um, that has been on my you have to watch this list for like you can. Months. Oh, you know what? We never discussed that, so uh, I'll I'll wait at whatever point you end up watching it on Amazon, we can talk about it, yeah, because I definitely want to watch it. So, um, but I have not, uh, the like, but I haven't, like, no, Madeline was the only thing I saw. Um, so I don't know. I have, I can't really speak to that, but I did think that it was, um, yeah, there was, there was an outcry and I was like, oh, there's, there's, oh, but you know, it's the Oscars. There's always an outcry after the Oscars. Yeah. There, I mean, this was, I guess, a little bit different because this whole year has been drastically different, yeah. but, um, but, but yeah, this year's outcry is, it's a little bit like then maybe the words just aren't for you. So, I mean, truthfully, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of would have liked to have seen Chadwick Boseman get the Oscar because he should have gotten an Oscar for Black Panther. He was so good in that. Yeah, I mean, it's not a, well, thank God he lost kind of thing. It's, it's look, this is the way the voters voted kind of I thing. I know, it's the way the voters it's voted. Too bad. And it's, I mean, it doesn't change the fact that it's immensely sad that he's gone. I know, I know, but it would have been it would have been nice, and I do think that sometimes that they do pull out those sort of posthumous awards, or they sort of like do the thing where they're like, "Well, this person never got nominated." Well, the, you know what I mean, and I feel like maybe this could have been one of those instances. But like I said, I I didn't see Hopkins' performance. I don't know. I agree, he is a brilliant actor, but sometimes he gets hammy, and sometimes he sometimes he doesn't turn in a, a brilliant performance you know um sometimes he's just okay yeah i think he's pretty good in the father okay i will say odd as it may seem um 
Hopkins won for Silence of the Lambs, and then he won for The Father. And both times, he's been a surprise winner. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a little bit weird to think about that. Crazy that as it is to winner. realize in hindsight, he was not predicted to win for Silence of the Lambs. The smart money was on Nick Nolte and The Prince of Tides. Um, he was, he was, was indeed an upset. Yeah, like in terms of like Oscar bait. Holy shit. Yeah, and he, look, he had won the Golden Globe, and you didn't have any of those other precursor awards to maybe hint that what was actually to come was a sweep for Silence of the Lambs, but that is what happened. Um, and this time, the father, you know, everyone was saying, yes, obviously Chadwick Boseman is going to get a posthumous Oscar. Um, and then the very end of the ceremony ended up going Anthony Hopkins' way. So both times, he was the surprise. Hey, Oscars. Anyway, so that was the Oscars. It's been a crazy year. Hopefully we can have some more movies, period. Um, and they'll be good. Uh, but yes, move. we can yeah, turn our eye towards more of 2021, I suppose. In fact, you've seen a movie already that uh, is one of this year's releases, right? I have seen a movie, which is one of this year's releases. So exciting. Tell us, tell us all. Okay, um, so I saw Nobody, which is uh, that movie with Bob Odenkirk that you go, wait, why is Bob Odenkirk in this movie? Um, so we're going to sort of start with, I am like pained right now that the next um, season of Better Call Saul has not shown up on Netflix um, because I love uh, that show. Wait. Are you sure that there's there's one that has aired on AMC that has not come to it Netflix? It has not showed up on Netflix yet because what gotcha. they do is they don't put that show like some of these shows until the next until season. Until the next season is And out. that one has a while to go still before we that yes, run. Gotcha. Because COVID. So it looks like 2022 is when better call. So I've got a long ass wait. So when I see that Bob Odenkirk is doing a movie, well, I pay attention because I love him. And you um, need your fix. So I need my fix. And so anyway, there is this crazy story of essentially Odenkirk, he seems to be playing this mild-mannered accountant guy who lives a very suburban existence with his wife and his kids. None of them, nobody is terribly impressed with him in the family. In fact, his family kind of thinks he's a wimp. And that is kind of, um, I guess, justified or at least em embellished when there is a break-in at his house. There's a home invasion um, in the middle of the night that he hears or wakes up and hears. And so he kind of like walks into his like living room or kitchen and there's like this robbery in progress. And he has an opportunity to stop it, but he doesn't because he's not, he doesn't, he's like, he has like this nonviolent thing going on or something like that. Mm. And so, and his son witnesses the fact that his dad could have stopped it and his dad oh. didn't. And so, and so his son is very sort of like put off by what he did. And, and so we, we basically get an idea, like this guy is just kind of like the sad sack li living this like sad sack existence. Oh boy, are we wrong? Uh -huh. because, <laughs> because what ends up happening is he 
we kind of see like this has kind of changed him a little bit, the the home invasion, and he's like a little antsy. His he goes to work now. Apparently, the job that he has it's a company that his wife's family owns, and he works for them. And he's he said to the his father in law, "Let me buy you out." And his father in law says, "You don't have, you know." I, he says, "I gave you a fair offer." The father in law is like, "I don't want a fair offer. I want a brilliant offer. A better, you know, great offer." And so he's not prepared to do that. So he just seems like kind of like a a frumpy, sad dude, you know. Right. And the brother that works there gives him a gun and he's like, here, use this next time. You should have this in the house. And Odenkirk's like, I don't like guns. He, and so he sticks it in the in the company freezer. And then we see him go to visit his dad. And his dad, this was wonderful, is played by Christopher Lloyd. That's what I thought. Okay. And Christopher Lloyd is in... Um, is in a is in a retirement home and he's just kind of like sits there and watches TV and he says to him, Oh, I, I, I guess I, I, I need to do this thing. I need to do the thing. And the dad's like, whatever, go ahead and do the thing. And he like goes into his dad's room and he takes some stuff like from a box. And then he goes off and he's taking a bus. Now on the bus, we have um it's like middle of the night, there are like three people on there, and one of them is this girl who's just like listening to music and he's sitting in the back. And then there's this weird like accident of like a Hummer comes up on beside the bus, but then it slams into a barricade and the guys get out of the, get out of the Hummer and climb onto the bus and they're drunk and they're like, like just like obnoxious guys. And so, you know, when they get on the bus, they're going to just be dicks, right? Like you just like, you know it. And of course they all walk up to the girl and they're standing in front of her and they start to harass her. And that's all of a sudden you see Odenkirk's character, Hutch, by the way, his name is Hutch. Hutch just like goes apeshit and he steps up and he's like, you guys like, I'm going to ruin your night. And they're like, no, you're not. And he basically like takes on this group of like five young guys and he like, beats the shit out of them no way. and ends up like giving like one of them basically a tracheotomy like because he like slams him in the neck so it's like all of these like wild fight scenes are going on and it's bob fucking odenkirk doing them and he is a badass wow he is a total badass but it turns out that the person he gave the tracheotomy to who did not survive was the brother of a russian mobster so now oh, we're in this rabbit of hole course. of russian mob yeah, so it just gets like so. Then we sort of like discover all sorts of things about good old Hutch and his entire family. There's like a shadowy brother figure who we just hear over this weird radio because he's in hiding. Um, and so it's essentially like he worked for the government as like some sort of trained assassin or something like that, where he like goes in and cleans up messes. And the and these Russians are like a big mess. And again, it's something that you would never, ever expect from this character. And you'd never expect Bob Odenkirk to be playing what is essentially an action hero. Right. And that's exactly what you get. And so it was really kind of weird to watch it. And it was the storyline absolutely did not hold up because yeah. it was just so over the top and ridiculous. But it was so good to watch. And the writer, I think, is the guy who does the John Wick movies, right? Oh, is it? I don't even know. I, I don't even know, because that would actually make sense. if it Derek Colstead yes. is the creator of John Wick. 
Yeah. Okay. So that, and that completely makes sense because this does have a very John Wick uh, vibe to it. Um, and apparently this story might've been based, I, I, I read somewhere like just sort of like skimming on something that happened to Odenkirk. He was involved in a home. Oh, it's Odenkirk. Oh. Yeah. And this was something that he wished he did, you know? So uh, um, yeah. In fact, oh, so we get, we do get a touch of, of of who he is before the bus incident the reason why he went to his dad's to like i need the stuff was he needed a gun and like a few other things that he collected is he actually went to the home of the people that invaded his house and because his daughter lost her hello kitty bracelet <laughs> and he thought that they stole it out of like you know this bucket of money that they that they took so he went he was like gonna get his kid's bracelet back and um and he finds them and he breaks into their house and they like, you know, they live in like a really crappy apartment and he's like, you know, threatening them. And then he goes into like a baby starts crying and he goes into the bedroom and he sees there's a baby on oxygen. And so you sort of, and uh, so he has like, he's like, oh, you were probably stealing because, you know, they're eating ramen, like they have no money, you know? And so it was like, they were stealing out of necessity. And so he like feels bad and he leaves them alone. Uh, but then it's sort of like, but but it's like, he says something that was really kind of interesting. Like he had a taste of it again and he didn't want, and he missed it, you know? So it was like, they actually like made it like this, you know, created this character who actually had a taste for the violence, who needed the violence and had been suppressing it all of this time. Interesting. Yeah, and he, and he kept it from his, I don't think he kept it from his wife. That's the thing that wasn't completely clear um, where I think that he, I don't think this was something that he kept from his wife because she was just kind of like, oh, okay, you want me to go into the basement? Because the basement was a safe, like a safe room. And how uh, did you watch the movie? Is, did you on demand it? Yeah, it's okay. 1999 on demand. No, I did not go to the movie theater. God, no. But um, yeah, it was really good. I highly recommend it. Oh, good. Yeah, I uh, definitely had thought about seeing it, so uh, I will give it a whirl. Yeah, and at some point, it's great. He's really good. He's a really, he is really good. He's really good. And I know he's actually a comic. That was how he started, right? And, yeah. and, and he was, and he was on the writing staff. Like his brother is still, but um, like he contributed to like Larry Sanders' show and stuff, I believe. Did he write for? Did he write for SNL? I want to say that was his brother, but he may have done it earlier. But yeah, he was like the writer on Tenacious. I feel like he, he yeah. He did Mr. Show with Bob and Dave. Uh, that was the big, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, wrote for Ben Stiller. Yeah, he did write for Saturday Night Live. He was on SNL. He wrote SNL. He wrote for was SNL. Was like in the 90s? Conan. Yeah. yeah he, uh, yep, 90s. He wrote for Conan. He wrote for Dennis Miller. Yeah, he's got, he's, I mean, I, he is super talented. He is just like a really super talented guy. Um, and I will basically watch whatever he does. Yeah, he is great. And is there one, I mean, it may be different for you, but is there one new season left for Better Call Saul or is there more? I don't know. I, I think, I don't know if this season that has yet to come out is going to be their last season. I'm actually... According sure. to Wikipedia, a sixth and final season is set to premiere in early 2022. Okay, so it Which is. means you probably can't see season five until early 2022. Either. Yeah, I know. Which really friggin' sucks. But there you go. 
but yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's great. And I'm definitely really intrigued by the movie. So yeah, and having Christopher Lloyd in there was fantastic to see. Like yeah. I haven't seen him do anything in a while. So I, I haven't like, seen him in a long time. But I he was promoting it, and he did a Mark Maron interview that I listened to, which was pretty interesting. Oh, did he really? Oh, that's really fun. I had no idea. Yeah, he's great. So I would that was that was like just a joy to see. And Con, what Connie Nielsen played the wife. Is she the wife? Okay. Yeah, she played the wife. So it was really it was a great cast, and it was it was a really fun movie. It was just a really fun movie. I love fun. Yeah, I love fun movies. We do. So what you got? I have some fun stuff on the streamings. Um, I watched a show called Earth to Ned on Disney Plus. Have you um, heard of it? Uh, no. So it's um, using a, like a combination of uh, like puppetry costume and I think CGI. Um, it's about an alien who's sent by his father to come to Earth and mm-hmm. conquer it. Except instead of destroying the planet, he becomes obsessed with pop culture and celebrities. So oh he, so the conceit is that his he has buried his spaceship like down deep in the Earth's crust, and then he beams celebrities to his ship for interviews, like he's a late night talk show, talk show host. Oh my god, that's hilarious! Um, and it's funny, and I have to imagine that it's like only half scripted; the rest is kind of improvised and it's so these real actors play themselves people like um uh i don't know like jennifer goodwin um and rupaul and i'm trying to think of like who are more more famous ones um eli roth the director and michael ian black oh raven simone joel McHale. um yeah a lot of different celebrities and they, they and it's like not quite inside jokes but a lot of pointed humor about like hollywood and hollywood products but it's actually quite charming um and the like the alien designs themselves are like a combination of revolting and cute <laughs> <laughs> You know, and he has like a sidekick, just like the, who's his Ed McMahon, um, and um, and there's typically like two guests per episode, and there's even like a musical episode. Um, it's like ridiculously cute. Um, so I really liked it. So that's all there on Disney Plus, um, and yeah, it was. You know, we gave it a shot. And we were we just totally ate it up. We were like, this is actually a lot of fun. This um, does sound like fun. I'm gonna have to check this out if we still have Disney Plus. I don't know if we do. And if you do, it's worth it. And it's like the episodes are like 20 minutes. That looks. I, I love the conceit. That's hilarious. It's, it's more clever than I think people would probably acknowledge, but really smartly played out. Um, yeah. So so that's Earth to Ned. And one of the other guests on, I want to say it was season one of the show, is RuPaul. Mm. And a couple of seasons, uh, weeks ago, I had talked about how we had watched our first season of RuPaul's Drag Race in real time. And that season has just ended. So I don't have much more to say to weigh in on it other than the fact that that too is a lot of fun and radiates a lot of positivity. uh, And I think was a really worthwhile watch 
in the last year. It's very unstructured as elimination competitions go. Um, there does not seem to be a rubric or any sort of objective criteria by which the drag queens get judged and eliminated week by week. Um, there are typically two challenges, and one is kind of a performance thing. They all, like, film a fake commercial together or do, you know, like, some some odd little small challenge as a group. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the, the larger thing is, you know, that week's fashion show that has a theme. Um, but you don't see any of them. They don't learn the theme on the spot. They... Uh, they come, I think, with all of their costumes already designed and fitted. So you just see them when they do their catwalk appearance towards the end of the show. Um, but these outfits are elaborate and they look very expensive. So I think they all have someone else designing it for them, which may say something about maybe how well off some of these contestants actually are. Um, I don't think the show was paying for that. Um, and then... Two, two contestants are, like, RuPaul decides who, like, the two lowest ones are, one of which will be sent home, and they have to do what's called a lip sync for your life, where they dance to and sing and lip sync to some pop song. Like, typically, uh, I think it's always sung by a woman. It's, you know, a lot of, like, very upbeat dance songs in the finale. They all have to dance to lip sync to Britney Spears songs, but they know all the songs ahead of time. So they can memorize the lyrics and choreograph what they want to do ahead of time. So we don't see any of that making the sausage stuff. We don't see anyone designing the dresses. We don't see, or outfits. We don't see anyone learning the songs. We just see when they come on stage and do it. So it lacks some of that, like, Project Runway or Top Chef kind of stuff. You actually see them doing the thing. It's You just see performance throughout. But I think we might have hit an anomaly in this current season because everyone was generally pretty nice. Not too much braggadocio, not too catty. Um, And so we were quite won over by it. And I can understand why so many people have lost their heads over it. Uh, we really liked it, and at some point when we have some time, we'll probably go back and watch earlier seasons as well. It's a nice, colorful, up-tempo, um, positive thing that's more about well, kind of living your truth than, you know, ousting someone else in the end. There's a oh. sense that they have created uh, a sisterhood, I guess is the word for it, over the, the years of... Um, competitors who've been on the show. So it was kind of a pleasant addition to our viewing intake. It was an, And it was a nice Friday night treat for us. That was always how we ended the week. We would go out and buy ourselves some food, bring it back, watch RuPaul, and then Graham Norton. And, uh, and, that, and that was how we kick-started our weekend. Oh, well, that actually sounds really great. I mean, I kind of love that there's, uh, like, it has, like, a much more positive vibe because I kind of feel like a lot of these reality shows descend into madness you know i i don't know have you did you see uh america's top the model america's next top model that was tyra banks right yeah i had seen some of it or i think in its early days like 2003 or 4 probably was that because i don't remember that having i because i didn't see a lot i only saw like a couple of bits of that but i don't remember that having cattiness to it either um 
I think it had some infighting, but I don't know that it had a ton. You know, I think the I think the judges were there to actually give mostly constructive feedback. Um, but I don't know that a lot of the contestants radiated a lot of charm was the thing. I don't know that they had a lot of personality. I think ultimately the ones that displayed personality would be the finalists. Um, but it wasn't, I don't think that was a particularly negative show as the competition shows went. Well, I, I just I just brought that up because it's so funny that you're talking about Drag Race because I ended up last week listening to um, a podcast with Tyra Banks. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and it was actually super fascinating about how she... Did you know she she teaches at Stanford? I had just heard that recently. Yeah, she, like, teaches, like, marketing and branding, and I think that she actually got her MBA um, from Harvard. Oh, I did not know that. She is a fucking genius. Like, who knew? Um, and it was... So, so I think it was... Um, Masters of Scale, I think, was the show that she was mm. on. Um, and so she basically, like, talked about her career tra trajectory and how she went from, like, being a model and to to being this brand, you know, the, the Tyra right. brand. And, um, and it was super fascinating because she, it, it was actually, like, she really credits her mother for, for doing this mm. because you know, her mother basically said, well, you know, when she started modeling and, you know, her, how she, she became, she, she became known for like the first model to book 30 shows, uh, runway oh, shows right? in Paris. Um, and it was her very first year that she did it. And she talked about how she got, how she booked those shows. She went to the Los Angeles public library, researched all of the designers that were going to have shows in the Paris runway found what their their quirk was, what their thing was, you know. And then when she went to every audition, she would change her look to match the their thing, whatever right. that thing was. Like, if this person liked grungy look, she'd go grunge. If this person had, you know, always had, like, the hair up, swept up, she'd do her hair up. And so she'd be changing in the alleyways, going from audition to audition, and that's how she booked her shows. And then her mom was like, well, you're a model now, and that's great. Um, but you know, you've got to treat your career like an athlete and know that, you know, this is just, you're going to age out of this. So you need to have a plan B and you need to have a plan B now. And so she was always like looking past, like she was always looking five years ahead mm. and, you know, and sort of say, and when her, you know, when she got a little bit older and her body started to change and she couldn't, she was no longer stick skinny to walk the runways. She, her mom again was like, okay. Who looks like you? Who's booking you? The, who's booking those models? And that's how she ended up hooking, like, put having her sights on Victoria's Secret. And that, you know, right. so it was like all of these steps. And it talked about all of these steps that she took to actually end up building what has turned into a huge brand. Because just like Drag Race, her um, America's Top Model is like, it's all over. Like, there's a um, you know, a Japan top model. There's right, a, right. It's you know, and franchises in all the countries. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And RuPaul is the same way. Um, so I just, I don't know. I just find this whole thing like I, I found her story really fascinating. I didn't know. I always knew I, I liked her because she always seemed like really funny and really real. Um, but I, I actually did not know that much about her background and, and you know, how she actually did, you know, build her, her 
company into into what it is now and it was really fascinating yeah and from a business standpoint too yeah uh, yes she's always been impressive yeah i think she's really smart and I, I would just love to sort of like hear that conversation a similar conversation with rupaul because i kind of feel like oh I, I, and i'm sure i'm sure those conversations are out there i may have listened to a fresh air interview i don't know if i've heard other things but and going back to the 90s i have always been a fan i've always been super impressed by him i read his autobiography back when it came out in the 90s like i think like he's kind of peerless i and and very articulate um and really is about lifting people up but uh, which you know is not to be scoffed at yeah yeah and and tyra was basically the same way like she right. just didn't want to shit on anyone and i was like wow yeah I can t wow i really respect that you know <laughs> because so i mean so much is like shitting on people you know like that sort of like is our entertainment yeah it i mean everywhere yeah you know and and everywhere that's so not necessary um so yeah so so like you know shows and and creators like tyra and um and RuPaul just, you know, make my heart sing. Yep, they're there. So I think some of, but not all of, the RuPaul seasons are on Hulu. Because some are on Paramount+. Plus. I don't know, there's too many streaming platforms. I'm not going to pay for all of them. Um, <laughs> if you ever get the chance and want to, like, dip your toe into that pool, uh, I know it, some are available. Remember how we Hulu. always complained about how expensive cable was? I still and, complain about it. And streaming was going to save us from that. And now it's like we're paying the same amount in streaming. Yeah, it's just multiplied. Yeah, because yeah, there are just so many out there. Was that but it? Yeah, I think that's it. That, that was, was our week. Up. That was our week. Yeah, so. if there's anything you guys want us to watch, let us know. Um, you can always reach us on Back on the Block Pod on Facebook. You can um, always, yes. Shameless plug time. Oh, take the floor. I have a book coming out on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> it is called Fade Into You. It is book four of the LA Rockstar Romance. Um, this one is a, um, what trope are we doing here? We're doing enemies to lovers and fake relationship, um, sort of uh, combined tropes in this one. So if that's your jam, please check it out. And I should actually have um, a piece out in Frolic tomorrow, hopefully it actually runs, um, about my own uh, red carpet experiences uh, that ties into the book because there's a big red carpet moment um, that sort of bookends uh, the story. And yes. very well timed. Yeah, yeah, and there's some and there's some Oscar talk in this book as well. Incredible. So, yes, probably by the time you guys are hearing this, uh, the new book will be out. So, don't walk, run to your computer screen and get it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is a your tablet screen. exclusive to Amazon. So, yes, um, run, don't walk to com computer screen, and help me put my child through college. No pressure, guys. But no yes, pressure. let's put food on Karen's table. Please. We're hungry. We've been unemployed for a year. Um, so, Just shaking yeah. my head. I know. I know. So, um, yeah. so, yeah. Give Earth Tonight a try and let us know what you think. Watch Nobody. Let us know what you think.
I think that uh, does it for us this week, right, Karen? Uh, yeah, I'm going to bed. It's time for Karen to go to bed. So we will see you guys next week when we are back on the boulevard. Um, take care till then. Be well, and we'll see you then.